Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, welcome to Remote Controlled, Variety's TV podcast. I'm Deborah Birnbaum. Every week, we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. On this week's episode, we're celebrating the return of Showtime's billions. First, we're talking to series stars Damian Lewis and Paul Giamatti. And then we'll check in with executive producers Brian Koppelman and David Levine. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Deborah Birnbaum, Variety's Executive Editor of TV. I'm Maureen Ryan, Chief TV Critic for Variety. And it's my pleasure to welcome some special guests from Billions. We've got Damian Lewis and Paul Giamatti. Hi, guys. Hello. 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 Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for, thanks for inviting us. Pleasure. So we're very excited to talk about Season 2, which finds your characters in some very different places than we left them at the end of Season 1. Uh, yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not at the beginning of the not season. Not at the beginning of the season. No, but the, going as it progresses, things change. Things yes. definitely change so much. Yes. So why don't you talk a little bit about where we find them? Paul, you want to start? Sure, sure. I'll start. Um, <laughs> I, uh, well, you know, we left Chuck Rhodes. He got kind of a, a kind of a harsh wake-up call from the wife. So that's, that's, that changes him a little bit. You know, he's, he's, he's a little bit of a different man at the beginning of the show, and that will progress throughout it. He takes up jujitsu. That's a big thing. He takes up the, the mysterious art of jujitsu, and uh, that becomes actually a sort of metaphorical for him and for the show as it, as it proceeds. He's also in a, in a different place when it comes to his job as well. Uh, he is. He, he gets uh, into a bind because of uh, uh, Bobby Axelrod's uh, shenanigans. That happens. Oh, Bobby. Yeah, that happens. Oh, and, but he's Bobby. taking a new, he's got a new attitude. He's got a new, he's got a new attitude towards his job, too. He's going to kind of get his, get his act together a little bit. And, but then he gets slammed by Bobby. So. As, as, as want to happen on Billions. And Damien, how do we find Bobby coming into the season? Uh, well... <laughs> Well, Bobby is. Uh, we leave Bobby in season one with with Chuck uh, teasing and prodding and poking mercilessly, mm. and mm. me having stripped my office uh, right back to its bare bones, thinking, looking for bugs. Um, so he's in a place of heightened paranoia. And when we open season two, we see that there is security screening and all That's kinds right. of things, like getting on an airplane just to get into his office. Um, but he has decided that this town. Ain't big enough for the two of them. And so he has decided that in order to survive, he has to take down Chuck. So he throws the book at Chuck and he files a lawsuit against him under the Fourth Amendment. And um, that is how the season begins. Correct. Uh, just two old pals slugging it out again. That's right. Absolutely. Um, Together like there again. There are many twists and turns many. between then and Things will change hour 12. Un- unforeseeable ways. The city isn't big enough for both of them. Mm-hmm. That, be- that is it. That, that, that's the premise to start with. That's right. 
I thought Dollar Bill said something really. Uh, I've seen the first three episodes, and he in that he said something. Everything that defined me has been taken away, and I don't think that's as true for Bobby as the season begins. Uh, but for for your character, it seems he's he's seems like a cornered animal who's at first trying to figure out what his strategy is going to be, but then he comes mm-hmm. out more ferocious as a fighter. Than I think we've seen him. Indeed, that's that's and that's why I say the jiu-jitsu is a uh, is a good <laughs> like pronouncing it that way is a good uh, is a good metaphor for it. You know that you can win from a position of vulnerability. That it that it's it's you know so he does. It's it's there's a ferocity. Although I don't know. I mean it's it's a, he's gotten a little bit more focused. It's a little bit more laser focus as somebody I keep saying this I'm sorry Damon to bore you with this but mm. I love it so much yes go I say think it. it was Toby who said it thank you you yes, know what I'm going to yes, say yes I love it that not only Chuck but the show is less Mussolini and more Machiavelli which is true it's much less a slugger and sort of that kind of out of control energy and much more focused and I think the whole show gets a little bit more sort of devious and uh, as it goes along I think I, maybe I'm wrong. But no, you, I, I you think that's me. true because the the lawsuits are a very s- interesting oblique strategy, if you will, mm-hmm. coming coming from a different direction. <clears throat> Everything is very oblique. The attacks and strategies, and yet, if you think about it, Axe has got billions, and we've seen this in our culture that someone will just lawyer and money, you know, like just throw mm-hmm. money at something, and like the lawyer you know, the hell something out of for it. me was the, the Gawker lawsuit, which I think had a lot of different dimensions. Mm-hmm. But essentially, at the core of it, it was someone willing to say, I'm willing to throw money at this until I take my enemy down. And that's, yeah. you can't discount that in this culture right now. It seems like very of the moment, you know. <laughs> Those guys are all going to be running the government in a minute, too. I mean, they're all serving in the federal government now, too. So that's interesting because in, in reality, the two sides of this show have just merged. Yeah. I mean, we may have a treasury secretary who is a hedge fund guy. Does that make things harder for I billions know. to tell stories? I don't know. It makes it interesting. Season three. <laughs> it, makes it, interesting. <laughs> it means that I will be president in yeah, season three. I mean, exactly. I mean essentially, <laughs> essentially, yeah. I mean, it's interesting, you know. I think the uh, trajectory of Damien's career is that he plays political candidates on Showtime. <laughs> People, guys who end up Potential running for sort of, yeah. office Right. Showtime. Yeah, very good. Have you pitched this to Brian and David? <laughs> I think it's season three, actually. I think you're way It you're could be. It curve. absolutely could be. Yeah. Well... Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be quiet. That was amazing. <laughs> He's thinking. He's th- deep thoughts over there. Yeah. <laughs> the two of you have so much chemistry together, but, you know, it, at least at the start of the season, as much as we've seen, you're operating in separate spheres. Are we going to get to see the two of you come together again? They do. They do. I think um, I think the strategy for now is to, to bring them together at the, the appropriate climactic point. Um I think what they've done very well this season is they've developed their own storylines. So, in fact, you know, over on his side, um, he's investigated by his own people um, and he has to deal with that. And uh, similarly, on my side, you see you see me bearing the burden of of this fight against um, Chuck a little more than I did in the first season. There, the consequences run a little deeper yeah, in the season, which I think is a, was a good thing, I think. So the show yeah. has deepened a bit. And um, certainly my my marriage is... is uh, both their marriages suffer, but, um, you know, I, I try the patience of my long-suffering, but, you know, incredibly able and supportive wife, an independent woman in her own right. But she... But, but you know, there are strains there. And... Um, 
it, it has meant that we have been able to pursue stories that go on to acts and pursue stories, stories that go on to chug yeah. words. I have a political, a I think way. a whole political thing begins to happen. A whole political pathway opens up for me later in the show that becomes very complicated. Yeah. I mean, it's not unrelated to him, but it is but it is a separate story. So it's, it gives the show a lot more room while still maintaining a lot of the tension and stuff. Yeah. They do it very well. Yeah. They do it very well. And you've got your father, who's this Lady Macbeth figure. Uh-huh, that's right. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. Which, that increases. That becomes way more. He's quite My marriage is very... Oh, yes. But that gets more complicated. <laughs> who's manipulating who gets really yeah. endless, infinitely yeah. complicated in this season. Yeah. But one thing, I interviewed um, David and Brian a little earlier, and one thing that I really enjoy about the show is that it's people being good at their jobs and enjoying the game and the game theory and the, you know, the sort of performance of power and, you know, these kinds of things. And both of these guys are really to some degree about image and how it looks and how they, how they rally the troops and things like that. And as a performer, as someone who's in the ring, as a, as an artist, is it kind of, give you a lot of colors to play in the second season is it kind of changed at all how how that comes forward i think there are i well i i do think there are more colors this season i, I do too I, yeah it is a more covert show as paul was just saying it's less it's less overt it's less it's less operatic yeah a little less it's bombastic sort of, yeah. it's lost it's, none of its relish no um it's i think there's more even in some yeah ways, but it's yeah. yeah but it's kind of deeper we still it's incredibly enjoyable watching these people do <clears throat> dastardly things they are doing them in the names you know i think just uh, i think something we overlook sometimes is that ideologically i think these two are different you know philosophically they come from different places i think chuck does believe it's immoral for a man one individual to have that much wealth uh-huh. and Bobby on the other hand thinks it's absolutely fine and one should be left alone to create as much wealth as one can and then do with it as you as you wish so I think that <laughs> those themes remain yeah. that that central theme remains and I think that's a good hook for the whole Mm. season because actually from that you can extrapolate to all of their different behaviors but in terms what of one is prepared the performative do. thing that that definitely yeah i mean and even the sort of like political realm i get turned into mm-hmm. opens another opportunity a place for chuck to kind of be colorful and performative and work that angle you know but it is interesting to see these guys as boss as performer you know what i mean right. like how are you how 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 are you wh- wh- how much of being a boss is about being a good actor and being a good you know director and a good like yeah and you do get to see a lot you do get to see even more of that i think in this season of how they how they work their different kingdoms and how they you know it's there's more detail in it right well yes and that's that's becoming more and more relevant isn't it the yeah. cult, cult of personality yeah. we're about to see oh sure you know no, that's you a serious performer so no, mr trump has arrived where he's it's arrived his, at it's his forte it's, it's yeah. what he's actually really good yeah, at it's, um, it's absolutely it's the best the thing he's best at but it's um that's the first uh, yes it's the well it's it's the first it's the first and most telling signs of a of a demagogue is is exactly that yeah, absolutely. someone who fosters it's, personality it's what it policy. is yeah and it's then, what a demagogue is exactly yeah. so yeah but this was obviously all written and shot before the election how do you think it's now going to be perceived post election be very interesting I mean, everything is so different post-election. <laughs> everything you look at is different post-election. So I'm not mm-hmm. actually sure how this will suddenly look in light of what happened. You know? 
Part of it is I can't remember everything that happened in the season. I know. But, um, but it was I don't brilliant. think the guys consciously are going after a sort of let you know mirror let borrow of, from the heart of reality. Yeah. No, they're writing no. a piece of fiction, but it's but they've but they've definitely the world they're in. Yeah, the two every, worlds they're in are, are it's inescapable yeah. the, the mm-hmm. parallels yeah. between what we choose to write about because it, the, the real stuff that goes on is it, it's hard to imagine anyone writing. So yes, <laughs> so well, yeah, actually, yeah. that's been a big thing we've actually talked about mm-hmm. a lot is Thank that you. you know. The real- reality has been very poorly written for about the past year. Yeah. <laughs> and no one would believe it. <laughs> and no, no one would believe it. And if I saw it as a piece of fiction, as a play, or it looks as stupid, a, you'd right. be like, "No, it's yeah. overdone. It's yeah. really, it's too on the nose." This is lame. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's cartoonish. Over I don't the top. think so. Yeah. But I really actually have sympathy for people who are trying to tell stories in this environment now because it's it has changed the context how they'll be received i think will be changed no it makes stories that came before look silly it makes everything look silly i don't know yeah i don't know what they're gonna what what one does i don't know so coming off your first season (laughs) going into the second season what did you want to change what worked for you what didn't what did you want to do for the second season were you happy with the first season yeah um, yeah, very And that's happy. not to say you weren't. I mean, I thought the first season no. was fantastic. I was just curious about what conversations you would have with Brian and David. I mean, they remain the same people. They essentially are the same people. So you, it's difficult to make wholesale changes if you look at the first season and go, mm, I don't like that. I'm going to come back yeah, as somebody no. else. That's yeah. not possible. possible. No. But... Um, but I, th- but I do. I mean, uh, sorry, I'm repeating myself. But, but I think this season is a deeper season than last season. It's a little bit like there were superheroes last year, and things bounced off them as they. Um, if I may, Damien, it's less Mussolini and more Machiavelli. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you may. No, but it yes, is. Though. I mean, and that, and that was their choice. You know, I mean, they said to me when we started it, he's going to be a little different. We want. I mean, they said we have to change them up. Yeah. Right, or it's going to get boring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they were like, "So we're going to make him a little bit different. We're going to, and, and you'll see as it goes along. I think he is a little bit. He's he's behaving differently. He's not a different guy, yeah. but he's taking a different tack. Chuck, Chuck, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think Bobby is a little bit different too. I mean, yeah. there's something different coming out of him too. So they made choices that were different. That I was like, "Oh, that's cool. All right, sure, I'll do that. That sounds great." I trust those guys to make smarter choices cer- than me. Certainties that existed in the first season are eroded a bit in the second season. And 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 you see the effects of the erosion of those certainties right. on each of the characters. That's right. In a way. So you see little you see little vulnerabilities that perhaps you didn't see in the first that's season. That's very well and I put. I think that's good. That's very well put. That is. That's exactly right. I actually think that there's. I don't think it's a change for Bobby, but I th- it sounds. It seems to me like it's a, it's something of a change for Chuck <clears> in that the word the phrase cannon fodder comes up. You know who who is cannon fodder, and mm-hmm. I think that that is very topical. Like even if we're not directly paralleling real life things, I think Bobby has always had the take no prisoners approach, and his wife as well, actually, of you know our family unit is you know we protect that at all costs, but everything else is cannon fodder. Mm-hmm. I, to me, it seems like there's a change with Chuck that he's willing to consider more people, you know, uh, sacrificial sure. in he his doesn't efforts. care about the collateral damage. Right. But yes. I think that that's then that lends itself to in this really entertaining, fun, interesting, deep drama. It's morally challenged. It's, a, it's such a morally challenged environment because yes. when you start that, everything and everyone can be cannon fodder in my path. Yes. Who are you then? Like, what yeah. are you? 
you is it do you feel like Chuck some, to some degree loses sight in these changes that he's making? Oh, that's interesting. Yes and no. It's inter- I mean, I'm interested to know. I'd be interested to talk to you at the end of the whole thing when you've seen the whole thing. Okay. Because I think that, you know, there's really interesting ways in what Damien just said about vulnerabilities are revealed. And at the same time that, that he's focusing in and saying, yes, that's true. I'm, he goes through a whole thing with his wife that is very transformative and makes him behave in very different ways. And they go through a kind of, you know, they're going, th- they're at a point where they don't know what's going to happen. Are they going to stay together or not? Right. And I think the guys do a very good job of accurately portraying a marriage at that point. And that brings out a lot of different things in this character. So it's tricky. I mean, he becomes a more emotionally honest human being. At the same time, he becomes more ruthless. Hmm. which may be connected to his honesty may make him more ruthless at his work. But you'll see. I mean, you have to I'd be interested to know when you see the whole thing, because all kinds of things happen in this season. I hopefully we can chat th- then. Yeah, That'd be great. Yeah. I think we should. Because I can't I don't want to. Re- I, sh- I feel like I can't reveal things. No, I don't think we should. so. It's like I can't stay say, tuned. Yeah, <laughs> it's like because there's lots of twists and turns that happen. And so he is more ruthless, but not too. He's a much more approachable human being, too, which I thought was interesting. Mm. Well, I think it's one of the things that's so compelling about the show is that we, you know, it forces us to shift our loyalties. We go back and forth between both guys. You both do good, quote-unquote, good things and things that were sort of questionable, both professionally and then in your personal lives as well, and it kind of forces Mm -hmm. us to go back and forth between both Mm -hmm. of you. I feel like you definitely do even more so in this season. Yeah. It's very hard to know who is the person you should be pulling for. Well, Wendy... Mm-hmm. Wendy. <laughs> Wendy. Well, that's true. Wendy. Yes, that's true. That's a good point. Team Wendy. That's oh, true. Yeah. That's a good point. And also, can I bring up Taylor? You can bring up Taylor. Taylor's a fascinating character. Taylor is a new character in the new season um, who is uh, gender non-binary and takes the pronouns them and they. And I thought that that was such a... Adding that character was such a brilliant idea because of this performative aspect we talked mm-hmm. about, sort of like performative masculinity and different varieties mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. And Taylor brings a diff, like brings their own presence to this, and in a certain sense, isn't playing some of those games. Mm-hmm. And so it's beyond them somehow. And I, I exactly, yeah, yeah, and, that's and, interesting. and so that I think does Bobby sort of respect. In the episodes I've seen, Bobby seems, and I don't know, maybe Taylor interacts with Chuck as well, but Mm. Bobby um, is someone who just respects pure intellect. Am I getting that wrong? No, no, you're not at all. But Bobby and Taylor... The the dichotomy in Bobby is that he is an emotional, um, instinctive street brawler, but he's also a man who is... Um, you know, the algorithm is God. So the numbers speak for him. And if anybody can come in with that clarity of vision and intellect, which Taylor does. Well, again, it's a, it's a matter of perspective, as we were talking about with Chuck, you know, losing focus of the bigger picture. There is a beauty. And you find this with people who are in higher mathematics. There's something poetic and soul stirring about it to them and the focus on the purity of the as you say, the algorithms and the the, the theories and the how the interplay of how it all works. Game theory, yeah, yeah, yeah. Games it, are really attractive to these guys, right? But Same if you're sitting in an office in, in Greenwich and you're just really immersing yourself in that, then yeah. you're not thinking about the mm-hmm. people losing their jobs or the companies going under mm-hmm. or who gets to be 
you know, the, the roadkill. Mm-hmm. I, I think that can be dangerous as well for mm-hmm. someone of that pure vision. Shareholder is, the shareholder is everything. That's, That's it. True. Not the worker. It's yeah, not. It's not. Can, it's yeah. not the labor force. It's the shareholder. So it's the investor, not the worker, yeah. that you fight for. Which is why, of course, now there's this big. Uh, you know, we're having this in the UK that, that people want to have workers, members of the workforce, on the boards of companies, mm-hmm. so that they can defend the workforce. That's communism. <laughs> My God, you people. I know. Communistic. Yeah. <laughs> No more Mussolini. We've already started. Yeah, no, now we're, we're, now we're now Stalin. Stalin. <laughs> we're switching all kinds of political God. paradigms. <laughs> so true. That's amazing, really. Is that a debate there? It is, yeah, that is. I don't think you just had even. a big factory closed down in the Midlands, all, all voted Brexit. You know, so anyway, that's, we digress. We'll get on to something else. But, um, no, it's, but it's uh, interesting. Well, it's interesting that, that Bobby is seen as this working man's friend and the, the, the Yonkers guy and the working class guy. And I think that that's very much part of the Trump appeal, that he's a New York guy and he's a street brawler and all this. But as you say, Bobby, it's all about the business transactions. He's not really, doesn't mm-hmm. really care about But Joe he does Lynch. have the genuine, he actually has the genuine street cred that, you know. President-elect doesn't have. Oh, true. You know, oh, yeah. So I mean, he's got a genuine. It's not. It's not. We get into that a little bit. Up. That was something that we always, we've always spoken to the guys about, actually. Is, um, and that was something that arose in season one, rather than just uh, enjoying these people in their playground in New York. What's the effect on the ordinary man of that? Their does actions? become a little bit, and we get more, into that a little yeah, bit more. In the, the scope of it season. widens a little bit, and mm-hmm. um, Bobby. Becomes very Faustian halfway through. No, and there's definitely more Faustian. Faustian, And Chuck takes advantage of that. Yes. The dark it's all along. It's, it's all along. Yes. Yes. And Chuck yeah. becomes yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. But it but the scope widens, and that's true because that was something I remember talking about them the very first season. Was is this going to be vertically? dramatized at all or is it just going to be horizontal and it's a little bit more vertical you're seeing a little bit up and down the social scale people I don't think that. also I don't think the show sets out bit. to persuade people to change their political stripes no. No. you know so when and there, yeah. there and there is a bit there is a little you know a little bit of um, there is a conversation about the benefits or virtues of asset stripping effectively um, and whether it's um, should be the government's job or local council's mm-hmm. job jobs to behave more responsibly and protect their communities and if they're not able to then then the, the private uh, private enterprise will have to come in and, mm-hmm. then, and then act mm-hmm. so those arguments are writ large actually in the second half of the they season are. and that's kind of interesting but people who believe in either one or the other, I don't think I'm not going to be persuaded. No, it's not, not trying to, to persuade you in some they're way. Not be Again, to I change. think it just it but widens the, the drama out. You know, it makes it more interesting dramatically. But, yeah. um, but the arguments there, yeah, it's, no, it's they're there. there. In the second season, and it's I think that's it's fun. I think it's better drama if it's not didactic. Oh, yes, yeah, so no, it isn't. Right? No, it's and not it didactic. And it's and just it's explored, it's explored through action. Yes, it's drama. It's germane to the twist. Yes. It just it widens the scope for what's possible to happen between these two guys. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to end it there, but it's been a pleasure to talk to you guys, mm, and we're looking likewise. forward to seeing what's happening this season. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. 
So that's what Damien Lewis and Paul Giamatti had to say about what's ahead for season two of Billions. Chief TV critic Maureen Ryan sat down with executive producers Brian Koppelman and David Levine and got their take on the second season. Hi, this is uh, Maureen Ryan, or Mo Ryan. I'm the chief TV critic for Variety, and I'm here with David Levine and Brian Koppelman. They are the executive producers and co-creators of the Showtime drama Billions, and it's coming back for season two. Bigger, better, stronger, faster, (laughs) all those things. Good, yeah. Um, So just in a big picture way, uh, what what did you want to do differently this season, or what did you want to emphasize this season? Um. Thanks for doing this, Mo, and thanks for all your enthusiasm about the show. Uh, not just the fact that you're a rock and roll fan <laughs> like us. I uh, know the difference between Kurt Hammett and James Hetfield. Um, you know, the the way we were looking at this for season two largely was that these characters have all found themselves, due to their actions and due to the the world, in a place of existential threat, where their very existence is sort of threatened, or where they certainly perceive that the status quo can't hold and that they have to find a way to um, rearm themselves and decide how to go on the offensive. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's sort of following, you know, the, the new season picks up not long after the last season ended. I mean, we wanted to keep the momentum of that and then build on it and flip it. Um, which as the season trucks along really starts to happen. I mean, we don't want to give away any spoilers, but yeah. Yeah, and it was great because, you know, obviously when the show is starting, there's so much introductory stuff about who these character are, these characters are, what the world is, what the mm-hmm. relationships are. And now we are just able to just quickly, you know, put people back in into the scene where they were, you know, what's happened quickly after the end of season 1. And we were able to go with faster momentum. It's like I was thinking as I was watching the episodes from the new season, and don't worry, we're not going to spoil stuff, um, except the musical episode, obviously, where they all just break into song. That was weird. Yes, we, we, it was great that, Dan, <laughs> that uh, Chazelle was kind enough to come in and guest direct an episode, yeah, which surprised was, us that he was willing so, to go uh, step off the award circuit to come and direct. But we couldn't say no, right, Dave? Who knew that Maggie Siff could be such a great hoofer? I mean, like Savian Glover. Exactly. Um, But it's just, it's interesting that um, these are people who I think need an antagonist in their lives. They need something to fight against. And it's not necessarily about chalking up the wins as lawyers or chalking up the wins as traitors. It's more like, I need someone to be mad at. And now you have that. So you're starting with that, with these deep grudges. Is that kind of how it felt? plunging into season two well yeah and for whatever reason you know chuck and axe just really really are the burr under each other's saddle they just there's something in the dna there Mm -hmm. they can't stand each other and it just it grows i mean they have this incredible regard for one another and can't stand one another which is what i think makes it particularly difficult i mean you'll get to i think you have the first four certainly in four some of that starts to really uh come out you know we were thinking a lot about as we were last season, about the kind of amb- ambition that fuels people like this, mm-hmm. the way they see themselves in the world, and the ways in which they express that, and yeah, th- they have to. T- their personal narrative has to be 
that they have to vanquish something or right. someone in order to feel like themselves. Right. Or And as they become aware of that, which they do during the course of this season, they have to decide if that's who they still want to be. Mm-hmm. And Chuck Rhodes, in particular, takes a different tack this season. He's approaching this differently. He's um, Last season, he kind of went head-on at Axe, and I think this season he's uh, trying to go in angles uh, slightly um, and, and trying it, uh, to deploy a different strategy and and you know i don't want to i mean the show's still funny too yeah well that was one of the things i liked about it as i wrote you know a few times that i think that um i think that billions uh doesn't fall into the trap that i think a lot of uh dramas in the more ambitious realms of tv fall into which is that um uniformity of tone is does not mean seriousness of ambition and 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 constant seriousness is not actually how people operate in the world it's not a real right. thing <laughs> and one thing we talk about is these these characters all love what they're doing right it's what charges them up so it's never even when they're beset by challenges they're not gloomy they're having a great time and they like right. the battle that was always something i loved about the good wife and they're very mad men too these people enjoy being good at their jobs and one of the things i loved about you know good wife or shows you know it was women and men who enjoy getting in the ring and who enjoy the the cut and thrust if you will like Abs- the, their jobs absolutely those like robert king and michelle king are amazing we think and mad men is one of our favorite shows of all time it's my second favorite show of all time the sopranos is my favorite and both of those shows are serious but they're really wickedly funny at times because smart engaged people crack wise a lot a lot especially if they're under pressure and that's their whole world <laughs> yeah and so that for, for the two of us and that's something that's been in our you know from the beginning from our first movie our characters express themselves in those ways which mm-hmm. sometimes can you're right make people miss the sort of seriousness of purpose underneath it but we just feel like that's the way people talk and and this year you know we introduced this character taylor mason who um comes on as, a, as an intern uh, at axe capital and you see someone who's more uh, of a tabula rasa there in the beginning, but also they really love this. And you start to see how much, even if they don't want to admit this about themselves, they love engaging in, in the fight. And right. their ambition runs strong, too. I actually wanted to ask about Taylor. Um, and tell me if I get any of this nomenclature wrong. Um, Taylor is a non-gender conforming individual who yeah. uses the pronouns they, them, there. Yes, right. And I think it's... I wanted to ask about the genesis of the character, but I, I actually just want to say, first of all, I think it's a great addition to this season. They are a great addition to the season because um, it's so much of the show, I think, and it's not something you do in an overt or sort of like um, dry way. is an exploration of modes of masculinity and performance of masculinity and how that's such a big thing for these guys. And Taylor comes along and is n- and they are not playing that game and yet they are really good at it. And so Wendy's to some degree out of the picture, so that's a fulcrum lost. And then Taylor comes in and is per- is kind of a different providing a different center of they are providing a different center of gravity so can you talk a little bit about yes. how that also, I mean Wendy's not gone I just no, want to no. be clear for the <laughs> listener who hasn't seen the show no 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 I would be very sad if that were the yes. case no Maggie Siff is still and, and when Wendy everything you're saying is exactly right Wendy Wendy 
the stuff that's building as you're watching between Wendy and Axe and, and Chuck, it, it all we're not losing Wendy from this mix oh, no, in any no. way. And yeah, I mean, if the, anything, I think the, the bonds that, are deeper and harder. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you were just referencing the idea that at the end of season one, she walks out. So at the beginning of season two, she's doing other things for the moment. Um, but you were still interacting Taylor. with these characters. Do you want to talk about the Taylor question? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, Axe Capital and, and hedge funds and and even the U.S. Attorney's Office, and like in some ways they, they really are traditional old school representations of the way that they're sort of male-dominated and often white male-dominated society. And, you know, making the show in in today's world, we realized that like those things are starting to change too. And, and we realized there was a great opportunity. And, you know, I think Brian brought it in because he's got kids that are, he's got a daughter who's in high school. Mm-hmm. And this is something that's just very natural to his daughter. But his son who's in college, the idea of those pronouns is, all, you know, just by dint of being three years older, well, yeah, he came home not from, natural. He came him. home from college one day to say, he, he went and helped, uh, he was writing a piece about a homeless shelter, and he said, every person who walks into the homeless shelter needs to identify themselves by gender pronouns. And hearing that, and he was right with it, I mean, it's, it's funny, to a high school student now, it's just, as Dave's saying, every day, it's just the way the world is. People who are in college now have just learned this. Right. It's a part of their lives now. And as he was, because Anna, my daughter, wouldn't even, she wouldn't even think to mention like, oh, but she did say like each semester they asked them at school. I mean, my kids go to a New York, she goes to a, like a progressive New York school, but they ask, what pronouns do you want to be? You know, where do you identify on the gender spectrum? Have you made any changes? I mean, they're constantly engaging with that. So, so we immediately love the idea of throwing a character like that into this mm-hmm. old school tied in the wool place. But, but part of it is that Bobby Axelrod, espouses this idea that the place is a meritocracy. What he's attracted to, Bobby, is people with incredible brains. If And if he finds somebody like that, he will work on them to try to turn that brain into something he can use. And a big question this season is, and, and Taylor is as smart as Axe. Taylor's maybe the only person introduced into that world who's actually, no matter what, as smart or smarter than, than Yeah, Axe. younger and less experienced in some ways. But oh, yeah, way less wise, less wise at the beginning. Yeah. But the, So the question is, you know, how will Axe react to this person? And we had a lot of talk. The first... When, when Taylor walks in, and I'm not spoiling anything because it's in some trailer that Showtime put up, but Taylor articulates their pronouns, says, you know, I'm they, there, and them. And Axe looks at Taylor and says, okay. Which <laughs> is what we really feel like somebody like that would try. The best, and, the best yeah. someone like that could do is to say, okay, and try to process it. And, and hilariously, I, when we were telling Damien about the yeah. idea and described the moment to him, he said, Okay. And we'd already written it. He was <laughs> reacting as acts. Right. Just right. like, oh, okay. That, yeah. And so uh, we love this, this notion. First of all, this actor, Asia Kate Dillon, is incredible. Uh, the person who plays Taylor. Mm-hmm. And as you watch the this, this season, uh, and, and Asia also is gender non-binary. Okay. And which we didn't cast them for that reason. In fact, we didn't even know at the audition. But... Asia's also gender non-binary, which has been great because we we did do our research. We did our work. We went out and met a bunch of gender non-binary people. We interviewed them. We talked about how they deal in the corporate world. We And then when Taylor came in, it, I mean, when Asia came in, it was terrific because that's somebody who could look at us and say, 
this feels right. This is what would be going on in right. my head. Right. Well, you know, the thing is, someone like Axe has the status, especially within his own firm, to be magnanimous, Mm -hmm. but your average trader or other people around, it's a very macho culture. That's right. And I, in my experience, there are people who are cool with whoever you are, and then there are people who just are unsettled by something they don't expect and must pick at it or fight it or do, like, just does does Taylor encounter those kinds of... A little bit. I mean, you know, the culture at a hedge fund is set from the top. So if if the boss is okay with something, people will try to fall in line. Their their personal feelings may may leak in. And there's moments where that happens. But, you know, acts as somebody. One thing about hedge funds is while Wall Street might be on the whole like a traditionally Republican place, some of the, the younger hedge fund billionaires are socially liberal and mm-hmm. left-leaning types, which mm-hmm. is a little bit of a distinction between Wall Street and the main. And, and um, you know, somebody like this could come and work at a firm as long as they're valuable financially. Yeah, I mean, late in the season, and this is not a spoiler at all, somebody says to Taylor, like, how... How is it there? And Taylor says, well, Axe likes me, so everybody acts like they like me. <laughs> Which is what it would be like right, exactly. in that sort of an environment. And I do want to touch on, I mean, you brought in politics. One thing was we didn't know that um, the Dark Lord was going to become president, but... Well, that was my next set of questions, oh, yeah, so thank I'm sure you for the it was. <laughs> Only Paul Giamatti knew somehow. Paul knew. The wizard Paul Giamatti knew it was going to happen. But I believe that. Um, I yeah, believe he knows everything. It's amazing. He knew the whole time. He, he knows everything. And, and, but... But there are these resonances. You'll see when you get to the next episode, too. It's sort of specifically articulated. Amazing to us the way there are these resonances in the way the characters act and in the what's go- going on. There are, there, are, um, there are moments and questions and decisions people have to make about allowing animus to rule them that feel much more relevant now than even when we were first writing them. So um, walk me through where were you in researching, writing, producing season two when the election happened? And did that change the writing? When should it? <laughs> well, we, you know, the season wrapped um, in mid-December, so we were okay. most of the way, you know, all the scripts were written and... You know, the the election would have had to have been over much earlier for us to have dealt with it directly. Um, but like Brian was saying, like it was out there in the air in a way. So it, it sort of filters in to to the season. And then I'd say the, by the last couple episodes, you're not they're not political episodes. It's all of the things that are very personal between the that, characters that are resolved. That said, I mean, there were questions that were hinted at last year that have to do with Chuck Rhodes's trust fund, for instance, and mm-hmm. blind trusts that and conflicts are of interest. conflicts of interest that are heavily dealt with in this season. And the way in which people make decisions thinking about that stuff absolutely tracks with what's going on in the world. And we did know that as we were editing and as we were finishing the season. And we went and thought about it and reviewed all that stuff. And there are a couple of direct mentions of uh, things that have to do with the president-elect that were written before the election, and we decided to keep mitt. They're completely they completely work. We think. Um, Look, this thing was hanging over everybody and everything for the last year anyway. So, and we're writing about the kind of people. 
not people like Trump exactly, but we are writing about a world that touches him. I was thinking in particular about Peter Thiel and the Gawker lawsuit, especially, I won't say Uh, how, but that's a very, to me, it seemed like a, a direct parallel to some things that transpire, people mo- moving the po- the levers in unexpected ways or in, in ways that they feel they should be able to move and push and take. Yes. I mean, that wasn't directly those, about Those him. stories were happening um, when we were making episodes and it was, you know, there were a couple of amazing things. Way. I mean, there's a thing where the yeah. a cell, something happens with cell phones, the cell phone industry in episode five, a, a teaser that has to do with that. And we wrote it and shot it before the big thing happened that's so similar to it. Wow. We were just somehow the wavelength thing was working this time. I think that's actually really true. I think a lot of things were getting made in the pipeline and even being developed that are like, you know, it's very hard to look at The Handmaid's Tale and not see it in a different way or other shows that are coming up. But I think it's because. Reed Morano directed, our, Reed directed our first episode. Yeah. And Reed obviously did that. The, the role of the artist is to kind of pick pick out what's in the air and, and bring it into like a sort of condensed form. And I think that these, these issues were already in billions. That, yeah, we think so too. And I, I mean, like last season, the second half of this season, it all really comes together. We're really, uh, the thing picks up this huge, uh, there's a huge engine that, that kicks in. And all this stuff, as we were watching it now cut together, I mean, the way these people go through the world and manipulate the world to serve their ends um, and act outside the bounds of what was previously considered tasteful and wh- or acceptable. Right, and who's considered cannon fodder. And who's considered cannon fodder and why, and uh, the way in which things like the Fourth Estate get worked and is... I would have no experience with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect one. <laughs> well, um, David and Brian, thank you so much for coming on the thank podcast. You. It's been awesome, and we look forward to seeing more. Thanks, Ma. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this week's show. We'll be back next week with another great episode. We'll be talking to the executive producers of two fantastic FX series, Ryan Murphy, who created Feud, and Joe Weisberg and Joel Fields of the Americans. See you next week. Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over a 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. BGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.